try and keep this tight today. We may overrun slightly. Um, we'll see how we get on. Um, but I have a short message I, need, I think I need to bring. Um, it kind of burdened me about two weeks ago. I was literally standing in my hallway and had this moment, and I said, think, what is that about? And had to sit down and really allow God to develop what I was feeling and seeing. One of those moments, I don't know if you've had them, where God lays something on your heart and it just won't leave. It just won't leave you. So you continue to consider. And then as you consider and pray it through, more and more layers of detail start to come. So I think this is a short message of prophetic purpose for the church. Um, so it's less of a preach and more of something I think we need, I need to bring and speak over the church. I don't mean, and literally, obviously, the physical church in this building... And the, it's lovely to hear kids. <laughs> it's distracting, but it's wonderful. Um, but actually, obviously, the church is the people of God. Therefore, you on Zoom are completely and utterly 100% involved. Please don't think I'm talking to a room full of people and you are observing. That's absolutely not what's going on. What I'm sharing, I'm speaking over myself as well. Um, so I pray that what is of God, I pray what is of you, Father, remains, and what is of me can just drop to the side, Lord, unless it is helpful and beneficial for what you want to say. Amen. It's about the two letters T. I don't know if you can get my slide up. I've got very little in preparation, as you can imagine. Um, in industry, in the industry I work in, um, I'm a, a advisor and trainer and coach to big teams doing major projects in big companies. And we talk about T-shaped people. That T-shaped people are people who are deep in a knowledge or a discipline, like a software engineer or something, really know their skill set, but broad in how they interact with people in the team and outside. That's T-shaped people. And God put this in my head and then refined it. He said, I want you to be a double T-shaped people and a double T-shaped church. So importantly, I think for us to recognize, I want to talk about the two T's in the Christ first name, just to allow us to remember what I think this means. Critically, they're not separate things. T's are intersections. They are things that have to be together. If you don't have the top and the bottom of a T, you have two lines. You have a, an L and a minus shape if you want. You don't have anything. They have to be together. So the first T I want to talk about is a people that are deep in the authority of the word and broad in the gifts of the spirit. Deep in the authority of the word and broad in the gifts of the spirit. So once again, not separated, together. The vertical line of this first T is that we are called to be a people of the word, deep in the word, not academically as head knowledge, but we do need to understand it. Our knowledge of it is critical, but critically we're called to be a people under the authority of the word. Under the authority of the word. It needs to radically and dramatically shape us. We need to allow it to cut deep. The word of God is not information for consideration. It is a sword in Ephesians 6. In Hebrews 12, it says this. Listen to this when you think about the word of God. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, 
of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the source and the authority of the word is powerfully positioned. All scripture is God-breathed out and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The word of God exposes the intentions of the heart and then trains the heart back to a healthy state. It reveals the infections and it offers a cure. It's a stinging nettle to a dock leaf. Or a dock leaf to a stinging nettle. It's surgery and it's nourishment. It's food for our very spirits and souls. Knowledge of the word nourishes us through revelation of who God is. That's the, the, the nourishment I look for in the word. I learn about my father and it nourishes me. It reassures me. The word changes how we're supposed to react to him and react to the challenges and the joys of life. It changes how we pray, how we worship, how we behave. Feasting on the word Feeding on it richly is a personal responsibility. It's like eating food stores up energy and nutrition for the day ahead. Psalm 119.11 says, store up God's word in our hearts. Uh, in a book I was uh, reading, we read some time ago when we were doing our Attributes of God series. Um, there was a quote by A.W. Pink that says this, the foundation of all true knowledge of God must be a clear mental comprehension of his perfections as revealed in the Holy Spirit. He goes, that goes on then to say, an unknown God can neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. We are to be a people deep in the word and we need to confess if we are, have a shallow attitude towards it. And then we need to find ways to address that. There are many ways to address how we approach the word. Do not think, as an elder of the church, that somehow I don't find it hard to read the Bible. Don't think for a second, as an elder of a church and a Christian of 30 plus years, I don't have to change sometimes the way in which I approach the word because for some reason, and we can put it on the enemy too, I'm dry in my experience of it. So I need to say, okay, I confess to that. Let me try another way because I know that it's food to my soul. Reading it alone, reading commentaries, reading sound theolo- or get, get, getting sound theological guidance, listening to the word and the exposition of it is important. So many of us need to contract to being, I feel this is right, to confess to being distracted, eating junk food or superficial food of the word. God's patience and grace means we can confess, do it again and go deeper in what's the horizontal then that's the that's the vertical of this t deep in the word the horizontal the broad as i said is broad in the spirit and i can be quite brief now because we've already talked about this for many weeks prior you know that unplanned series on spiritual gifts brought this out but we are to desire the breadth of the gifts we are to desire them eagerly pursue them to choose whatever words you like from scripture the gifts and the fruits, not for personal gain, but the breadth is also because it builds up the body of the church. So broad in width, many gifts, many fruits. 
reaching out, drawing in the church together, building up the whole church. Words of knowledge, prophecy, interpreted tongues, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, service, care. The list goes on because the list is not exhaustive. There is not a specific number of gifts. There's the manifestations of the Spirit as they turn up in the church. They're all good. They're all good. And we have to be as broad in them as we can. We can't just say we're a church that's focused purely, solely on this gift or this fruit. They are broad. They're all needed. So we need to eagerly desire them and search them out. I want to just state before I move on, the Word and the Spirit operate together. As I said, that's the T here. They must be together. They're inextricably linked. You cannot approach your Bible as if you're reading an academic paper. When you approach your Bible and the gift of the Spirit is at work, revelation comes, deeper revelation comes. I said recently about worship. You can sing songs. We've heard enough songs in recent weeks from football crowds. Everyone can sing songs. You can sing Christian songs in the same way. They're just words exiting my body. Or by the power of the Spirit, Spirit and truth worship can be transformative. Transformative as the words mean much more, that the Spirit convicts us of what we're singing. There's a few songs out there that I warn, I have health warnings about singing. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Really? Really? Is that how it really is? Or are we just singing a nice melody and a nice collection of words, vowels and consonants that feel right? That's a transformational request of the Father. Every moment, have your way in me. It's good to ask. It's good to desire that. I'm not saying don't sing it. I'm saying sing it, but let the Spirit convict you of what you're asking. And then pray it's true, because it would be the best thing for your life ever if every moment you were awake, every breath that you took, he had his way in you. Wouldn't it be the best thing? So pray for the best thing, but mean it. Don't just sing it. Otherwise, you might as well sing it's coming home, it's coming home, football's coming home. It's coming home, by the way. Um, okay. Gordon Fee, I'll, I'll read a couple of quotes because I looked up some stuff yesterday as I was putting this together. Gordon Fee uh, once said, the message of the gospel is truth accompanied by experienced reality. Truth and experienced reality. He goes on to say, God verifies its truthfulness by display of his power through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Together, changing, transforming. We're to be a T-shaped people, deep in the word, broad in the spirit, just like the Apostle Paul, who is a super apostle, yes, but a man nonetheless. And Terry Virgo put it in his book, Spirit-Filled Church. It seems that profound theology and great signs and wonders happily cohabited in Paul's life and ministry. Right, the next T. So the second T is to be deep in unity, and broad in community. I was drawn to Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians. I call, often call it the Ron Seal letter because it just does what it says on the tin. It's kind of easy. It's an old advert, sorry for young people, but it's, it just means what it means in many ways. There is levels to scripture way beyond what the servant, but Ephesians for me does a lot of its work by just being easy and to understand. I was drawn to it. The thing about Ephesians is it's easy to read. But if you read it, it's very hard to live out. Especially around unity. It calls us to lay aside our previous nature. We were once children of wrath. And asks us to take up a new nature of Christ. Easy to say. Harder to do. 
It's simple, Ephesians. It's beautiful. It's blunt. It's even brutal at times, especially when it comes to the church and how we need to live together as a church in unity. So I'm going to read a couple of bits of Ephesians 4 to you. If you've got it there, you can look up these at the same time. But Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that may give grace to those who hear. Doesn't require much by way of interpretation, but how you and I apply that is important because we are to be imitators of Christ. And then in 4.32 it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God forgave you. And the one that really screams out at me at the moment when I was contemplating this tea, it needs to be adopted and embraced by the church to make this vertical part work. And I woke up this morning and the first thing I saw the moment I awoke was this tea, this part of the tea, this unity piece of the church was dry, cracking and weathered. This 15 months of separation meant that that unity has struggled to be nourished. And I accept and I, I applaud the, the, the things we've tried to do to keep ourselves together in some small group structures and small groupings and things we've done. But re, let's be realistic. After 15 months, the unity of this church appeared to me as a dry, cracked vertical part to the T. And it needs to be nourished back to health. It needs to be nourished back to health or we're going to get ourselves into great, great difficulties. Nearly a year and a half apart probably by the time we come together is too long, and unity has, is going to struggle. It says this in Ephesians 4, 1 to 13, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. The challenge for me with this, when I thought about what God wanted to say, is this is profound. It's a critical time, as I've said, we're trying to put the church back together, as it were, physically. And physical separation has caused cracks to appear. And Aaron and I cannot do this alone. You here, you at home, we cannot, we cannot do this alone. To expect us to be able to pull back together a hundred people who have been separated for a year and a half requires the church to recognise that maybe things have become a bit tired, relationships a bit frazzled, or just so distant. It's the last time I saw some of the people in this room is so long ago. I've never met you, Callum, ever. I've met you online. I've never met him in the flesh. Not seen these people, most of these people, for a year and a half. We're distant at best, and some of us have felt fragmented. We're a church of people gathered, and we're going to reassemble. I had... I nearly had the corny church reassemble, but why not? We need to reassemble. We need to heal rifts that may have appeared, just through absence, but perhaps through you just haven't kept in touch with me, and I'm really upset about that. Any disappointments we may have with others, any sense of being let down during this season, we must make every effort to restore unity. Any arguments, and please be clear, a disagreement is not an argument. I can disagree healthily with anyone in this room, anyone on Zoom, 
anyone I meet, frankly. But an argument that causes disunity and separation is when you've allowed it to become something else. I can't stand you. Your opinions just make me sick. It's very different from having a disagreement. So we have to make every effort to maintain and restore unity. Any harsh, cruel words spoken in the church, both parties are called to make every effort to restore unity. If things have been spoken in private about someone else and others have been there, we need to repair that to restore unity in the church. Any unforgiveness you have over anyone in this family of God, you must make every effort to restore unity. Not because we're in some great battle amongst ourselves, but because we've been fragmented for so long, things have emerged and we have to come back together to show the world What happens when you are truly a forgiving people, a loving people who follow Christ, who say he's my model and for no reason I can ever justify he dies on the cross for me to forgive my sins when I was still sinning. If we are to model that in the church, then we have to pursue unity. We have to make every effort if we are to be imitators of Christ. Blame is not an option. If Jesus Christ was to apportion blame, we would be in immense trouble, amen? He does not apportion blame. He says, you are at fault, but I'm taking it. It's just beyond comprehension that he would do that, but I try to comprehend it. Make every effort means exhausted in your attempts. Right, I need to hand over in a minute to Aaron. I'm going to pray for us, by the way, but let me be brief on the last one. We need to model forgiveness, okay? You get that. The final part of the T, the horizontal part of this T, is actually the, the series that's coming up. It's to reach out, healthy church, in unity, in the words, broad in the gifts of the Spirit, must reach out into the community that it's surrounded by. That community does not mean the roads around this building, the roads around Westfield, although it does mean that too, by the way, but it means the communities you're placed in, your places of work, your friends, your schools, your circle of influence. We must reach out. So as the restrictions come away, and it's going to be weird, amen? But we need to take every opportunity to be, I want to say this, and this is coming now, to be the first out of the blocks to reach out. The first out of the blocks to say, now I can go to see other people in my neighborhood or gather people together. First out of the blocks. The pubs are trying. Let's be first out of the blocks when we can. With the word of God deep in us and the spirit of the sovereign Lord upon us, we are to preach good news Bind up the brokenhearted, set captives free. That's part of what the series to come is about. So deep in the word, broad in the gifts of the spirit, deep in unity, broad in community. I hope we can remember that as something God wanted to put as a mantra over us as a double T people. Right. I want us to respond. I feel we need to respond. I will be responding as I pray in response. If I say something as I introduce the time, I'm going to pray three for those three first elements of the tea. I'll leave the community stuff to come in the series to come, but I want to pray at least through the first three. If I say something that resonates with you, that you feel, yes, I need to confess that, I'll ask you to stand here in the room, at home, you can stand too, or respond in any way you feel appropriate, but to respond if you believe this is God saying, yes, I hear that, I'm convicted of that. I want to be prayed for over that. 
the word. The first part of the T is to be deep in the word. If you want to confess your attitude to the word is not where it should be, your approach is at best information rather than transformation, it's not surgical exposition and revelation, then stand up in the room and at home respond if you wish. And I will pray for you now. Father God, we thank you for your word and we confess, Lord, we have treated it with such light hands. We ask for your forgiveness, Father God, for the gift that it is, Lord, that sits dusty on shelves unopened in our apps, rarely used in the way it was intended to reveal you to us, to allow it by the Spirit to open us up and expose the intentions of our heart and offer the, the healing that we would store up in our hearts the word of God. Father, we confess we have been lax in this. I confess I have been lax in this, Father God. But your grace is amazing and we pray, would you help us, Father? Would you let us go again? We know your forgiveness, your grace is lavish. And we, if we truly confess, we are, we are right with you and we ask, Father. Now, show us and help us as we intentionally move towards the word in new ways, Father, or just repeating patterns of the past that have worked but have somehow come dry. We, we, I don't want to prescribe, Father. I just want to know your word is food to our souls. And we crave it, crave it, Father. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Okay, I know it's a bit up and down, but take a seat. <laughs> Broad in the spirit. If you are someone who is narrow in the spirit i.e. maybe occasionally one or two things maybe I'll pursue. Or maybe you're even lacking the desire itself to really press in to things of the Spirit for whatever reasons. Maybe it's just it's just frightened you in some way or you're just not sure. But you know the Word says to eagerly desire it, but it's not a feature of your life. Therefore, it doesn't help to build up the church. Then stand and let me pray for you. Father, we pray for the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, to be so evident in our lives, Lord. We confess, Lord, we have treated them with mystery and confusion and pushed them perhaps away, not understood. I pray, Father God, that we desire them in such a way that we can see that they, they bring the church, they build the church, they bring the church together. They are powerful, as we have said in that series, and they can impact the non-believers too, Father God. But I pray we would be a church that are hungry for the gifts of the Spirit and keen, if not passionate, to see more than one or two evident when we are gathered. In Jesus' name, amen. And the last one, unity. If you need to deal with some issue that you know about of disunity, struggles with a brother or sister that you know have gone in a path they shouldn't have gone, whether you've become distant from someone and you, want to rest- you know it's your, you should need to restore that, or you have become bitter against someone who has not been in touch for a while. If you're struggling with that sort of unity issue, if you can say, I'm not really making every effort here, I've kind of just given up on it. I didn't exhaust the opportunities to bring reconciliation, and therefore I've just left things as they are. I haven't said anything, just left it alone. Whatever that might be, why don't you stand and I will pray for you where relationships have become strained or damaged. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blood of Christ. We thank you for your forgiveness, Father God. We thank you for your grace. 
we confess, Father God, when we are called to be imitators of Christ and we look to his model, we say, yes, but that was Jesus and I'm not him, so therefore I'm justified in not forgiving, in not showing grace where it needs to be shown. Father God, we confess that in this regard of unity, we are far short of being imitators of Christ. We confess, Father God, we have held grudges and bad feelings. We've become frustrated with one another. We've become frustrated in family situations, in church situations, in work situations, and we're not modelling Christ. Forgive us, Father. We want to pursue Jesus, and I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you help us to be a people of grace, a people of forgiveness, a people that when, when the world sees us say, my word, how could you, how come you, you said what you did, you, you restored that? You, you, you're just such a, a unified people. I want people to come in when we are physically together again, as they have when we've been online and say, just such a, a great bunch of people together. I don't know anyone like you guys. If we have disunity, then everyone knows us guys because everyone lives in disunity. Disunity runs rampant on the world. We don't want that, Father God. We pray that we will be a people of unity that speaks volumes to a world that needs light in the darkness. Light in the darkness, Father. So help us, Father. I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, you are causing us to just literally breathe out unforgiveness. Breathe out that resentment. Breathe out that frustration. Breathe in grace. Breathe in love. Breathe in humility. Breathe in... And then we could speak out your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Aaron, let me hand over to you. <laughs> I think that's a powerful message that Andy's just brought. And I, to be honest with you, I've got 10 minutes, so I'm not going to try and uh, share fully what I had prepared. I think we'll just save that for next week. But I wanted to read... A few verses, I suppose, to finish off that last T, maybe. This is uh, from Matthew 9, uh, and it says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I'm just going to read a couple of those verses again. There's only five verses or so, but... When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I just want to, I suppose, ask the question of us, when we watch the news, do we see people who are really annoying or irritating or frustrating or despicable, or do we see sheep without a shepherd? When you look around, do you see people who are harassed and helpless? If you just... Think about the last 15 months, people's reaction to uh, the pandemic, people's reaction to uh, various political things that have happened, 
the, the shepherds that people have looked to. Uh, this is not a, uh, not a political statement at all, just to be clear. People's shepherd at the moment, for many people, is Boris Johnson. People's shepherds in, in the States have been Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden is their shepherd. Now, this is not a political statement in any way. I'm not endorsing or condemning any individual. That's who people are looking to for answers. People are looking to scientific experts for answers in this moment, to people who've got a loud voice and a compelling message and perhaps not much substance to it. We need to be introducing people to the good shepherd, the great shepherd, because people are harassed and helpless. That's why so many conspiracy theories and sort of things where you think, how can you possibly believe that? But people have latched onto it and they've, they've devoted themselves to it because they want to follow someone and something. I, um, I think, as I say, I'm not going to share the, the full thing that I had, but there's some stats that I looked up uh, and you can look up yourself. And this is just uh, a few... A few things that have occurred over the last 15 months. This has been uh, tracked by uh, Mental Health UK. So mentalhealth.org.uk, you can go to and look at these uh, statistics if you like. And I'm always a little bit cautious about statistics because I think they're very easily manipulated to give the story that you want. Um, <clears throat> but these aren't so outrageous as to seem like they've been padded. But uh, So because of or during the pandemic, the general statistic for loneliness across the UK has gone from one in 10, so pre-COVID-19, one in 10 people would say they felt lonely. It's gone to one in four. Okay, with the majority or the largest increase being in 18 to 34-year-olds. The largest uh, group that have been impacted by feelings of hopelessness are 18 to 24-year-olds. One in 10 people have had suicidal thoughts in the last two weeks. One fifth of people are drinking more to cope with the stress of the pandemic. And 36% of people are eating more specifically to cope with the stress of the pandemic. These are all, I mean, these are sort of just a, a glimpse of statistics that are out there. People are harassed and helpless. And so what is our response to that? Well, Jesus tells us very clearly in these verses. He had compassion for them. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. People need to hear the news. They want to hear the good news. But the laborers are few. Therefore, that's what we should do. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to just finish, I suppose, by rounding out that last T and saying, let's, let's pray together. Let's take a moment to pray together that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest field. And I want us to respond and pray that we would be those 
who are going out into the harvest field. We'll talk a little bit next week about how you can increase your awareness, how you can develop yourself, your sort of vision, open up your eyes to that. Or perhaps create scenarios where you can. But I'm sure all of us right now, if, you, if I ask you to think of someone you know who's not a Christian, who doesn't know the good shepherd, who, or to think of someone who's harassed and helpless or just feeling despondent or struggled with the pandemic, all of that sort of stuff, I'm sure we could all think of someone. So let's pray together. I'm going to invite everyone who's here to stand because I think that's a a helpful thing to do. This is everyone respond. I think probably everyone should have responded to the challenges that Andy already laid out, but this is an everyone respond. This is for all of the disciples of Jesus is to say, Lord, we want labourers to go out into the field and I want to be one of those labourers. So let's stand together and pray. I'm going to lead us through a few short prayers with moments of reflection in between. Lord Jesus, I thank you that when you looked on the crowds, you were moved with compassion. That when you looked at people who were, in many ways, actively your enemies because of their their status as sinners, you had compassion. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would be those who look at other people with compassion. Yes, within the church, as Andy so excellently challenged us, that, that idea of unity needing to be refreshed, the idea of confessing to one another and accepting and forgiving one another, so important. And we ask, Lord, that that would spill over, that we would have compassion on those around us. I pray, bring to mind now people that we know, we think, oh, I've been hard-hearted towards them. I've been a little bit less than generous. I've not been gracious towards them. Bring those people to mind now. And individually ask God to soften your heart towards those people, to increase your compassion towards those people. Jesus, I thank you that you are the good shepherd and that your sheep know your voice, that there is a harvest of people who are waiting to hear the good news. So Lord, we pray now that you would send out labourers into the harvest field. We think about what Matt's going to be doing and how fantastic that is, that there's, there's sort of active efforts to take the, the, the good news of the kingdom of God, 
the full counsel of God to people in Zimbabwe, the, the efforts that are being put in there. But I pray for us in the UK to have creative, intentional efforts brought to mind that people would be released into sharing the gospel. That labourers would be sent out into the fields. And I pray right now you would bring to mind for us individuals that we know who don't know you. Situations we know of where we've held back from sharing the gospel. We've not said, you know, have I ever told you really what I believe? Or when situations have come up and we've, we've shied away. Lord, I pray that we would be those who are aware of those situations when they arise. Help us to have a keen sense of this is a moment. This is a moment I can, I can speak about the good news that Jesus brings. Lord, I pray that you would bring people to our minds right now. And we just take a moment as individuals just to pray for those people. Say, Lord, give me a chance to share the gospel. You could, that can even be your prayer, just very simple. Lord, give me a chance to share the good news about you with and then the person's name. And then finally, Lord, I pray that we would be a bold people. We value and love courage, which means you have to be a little bit afraid and then do it. So Lord, I pray even if, the, even if there's a moment of feeling timid, oh, I'm not sure I can, I might say, mess it up, I might do it wrong. Actually, Lord, we would be a people of courage who would act. And I ask this, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would have boldness and courage and faith to say, I know that there is a harvest. There is a harvest waiting to be reaped. And so I'm going to share the gospel because I know people will get saved. We know you are building your church, Lord, that there are many people in this town, in the places around us that are your people waiting to be called. So help us to be bold in the power of the Spirit and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.